What are your tips to stay positive in an increasingly negative world? Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. Welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week, it's episode 100, and it's a community call with Shudra, Homestead Padre, and Grant Payne. The topic is, what are your tips to stay positive in an increasingly negative world? So every month we have a community call, and you can get in on this by joining our Telegram community on at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. On our Telegram group, we've been talking about Shudra's recent article on aquaponics, pigs, making kvass, goats, farmer's markets, and side hustles. You can see pictures of Grant's nursery side hustle as he's building it up. You can join the Telegram group by signing up at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. Now let's get to the episode. We start out with asking the guys, what's new with you this week? So Joseph, we talked a little bit before. You've got a big market weekend coming up. Yes. Thankfully, I don't have to work it. I just had to spend the week preparing for it. It is a uh, fundamental Baptist ladies conference and no men are allowed there. Wow. How many ladies did you say? It's over 700. Wow. And uh, I'm not allowed to be there. So I'm going tomorrow morning to set my wife's booths up and get everything set up, all the product, and snap a couple photos and leave. I have to be out by 3.30 when the first ladies show up. Oh, so the market's actually in the event? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, you should do well there. It's our uh, it's our busiest weekend of the year every year. We have we have festivals, including this weekend. Four out of the next five weekends, we have festival big festivals that we're doing. So, October is our busy month. Wow. And you got uh, national recognition for your business, and then also Mississippi recognition. Tell us a little bit about that. So I uh, was interviewed by an economist for the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. She did an article on uh, entrepreneurs, the rise of entrepreneurs in America. And uh, just uh, she found me on Twitter, sent me a, actually shot me a tweet uh, publicly. And I, I was kind of skeptical at first, but I, I ended up emailing her and talking to her and two phone calls later. And I'm in the Washington Post article. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And then uh, Mississippi Department of Agriculture has a program called Genuine Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And they're always uh, on the lookout promoting and sponsoring Mississippi made, Mississippi grown, Mississippi manufactured. And uh, randomly tagged by the Department of Agriculture for a Genuine Mississippi crafted uh, for my hot sauces and candles and everything. Yeah, your hot sauces are great. Do you still have some in stock? Uh, none of the mango. Okay. But you have the other ones, right? I have, uh, the Homestead Hut sauce, Scotch Bonnet, and the Red Savina. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can get some more mango pulp, I'll have mango soon. And my Red Savina bush, actually, since the weather's split off, it is throwing out peppers again. So I will have another batch of Red Savina hot sauce this year, it looks like. Wow. Yeah, I put that mango habanero sauce on everything. 
eggs and just about everything. It's a, it's more a family favorite. We use it mm-hmm. on everything. Yep. Uh, we eat a lot of breakfast burritos, breakfast tacos, and uh, it's great on that. Wow, that sounds good. Do you sell like breakfast burritos at the market? We do at uh, festivals. Mm-hmm. So the way Mississippi law operates is um, if it's a once-a-year event, you don't need a food license. You operate under a pop-up. Uh, how do they word that? It's a pop-up food vendor or a pop-up caterer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't actually have to have a food safety license to operate. Um, I have my food handler certificate because I do the bakery and everything. So I have a lot of certifications that a restaurant would have. Sure. I just, I just don't actually get inspected by the health department. And so, you're still uh, pursuing the food truck. Yes. Cool. I do. I do have that dream. Uh, we have dreamed. We have dreamt up two food trucks now. So uh, it's going to be a choice of which one we go for first. Oh, so two different themes? Yes. That's cool. Wow. Shooter, what's new with you? Um, as of yesterday, I um, officially started work on re- um, on building the house. So I, um, I dragged my trusty old crane up onto the... Uh, Onto the pad. I'm going to position that. That's my concrete crane. Mm-hmm. I'm going to position that, and we're going to try and do a couple of walls in the next week or so. Wow, that's going to. Be, luckily, it's cooling down, so I, I, I don't want to be doing that in um, high temperatures. But yeah, so that's going to be our big job from now on is just to try and get a few more walls done and see how close we can get to finishing the entire walls of the house. Mm-hmm. So and that, your grape that, arbor um, has uh, bloomed out since uh, the last episode we had a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah that 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 thing goes amazing in the next couple of weeks until it uh, fully fills out. And underneath the aquaponics area will go very dark, which is mm-hmm. which is very nice, quite pleasant in there on hot days. Yeah, folks really liked your article on aquaponics, even going down to the fittings that I published on Thriver News. Hopefully, um, a few people will build some and they'll um, find themselves a little bit closer to food self-sufficiency. Yeah, definitely. Oh, bang for your buck. It's, uh, it's an amazing way to produce food. Um, just, yeah, it's, it's very good. I, I am ashamed to say I have not read the article, but now I want to. <laughs> yeah, it's um, on Thriver.news. I did aquaponics several years ago. I had a nice system in the backyard. Um, I had it in a... a, a 20 foot long by 10 foot wide tunnel. And um, anyway, Hurricane Zeta come through and just tore all of it up and I never rebuilt it. Wow. But, uh, but I miss, yeah, you, y'all just made me miss my aquaponics system. Now I gotta, now I gotta read that and maybe plan for the spring. Yeah. It's made out of IBC totes. So it, it would be grant approved as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He, he could make something huge in aquaponics with his IVC totes. 70, yeah. What's he up to, like 70 IBC totes? Well, hopefully he'll join. He hasn't He hasn't said anything on 70, uh, Telegram. 70, 170, somewhere around there. Yeah, exactly. I so, mean, he's got so many, he turned them into a pig pen. 
<laughs> he turned him into a sure. turned him a pig castle. I think it's like three IBC totes tall. Yeah, just filled him with water and surrounded the pigs. <laughs> He's basically halfway there, so he hasn't it. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. Yeah, I've got the. Uh, I'm just the peppers are starting to tail off. I've got jalapenos and fish peppers, and then I dehydrate them, put them in the coffee grinder, and then uh, and then store them for the wintertime as uh, um, seasoning. And then fish peppers really add to the jalapeno flavor and make it real unique, very Cajun-like. Now, Scott, do you overwinter your pepper plants, or do you start anew every year? Uh, I start them new every year. You mean overwinter and bring them inside? Yes. Yeah, I haven't tried that. I might have to do that. So what, do I d- dig them up and then put them in a pot? Um, there's several different methods. Um, what I do is I dig them out, put them in a dig them out, clean all the dirt off the root, hmm. uh, then pot them. And and you're just getting rid of any possible pest infections, right? Okay. And then when you, when you bring them inside, uh, after about a week when they acclimate, then you trim all the leaves and stems off. And that makes it go dormant over the winter. Uh, you can you can put a grow light on them, and then it'll grow through the winter. Um, but I give my bushes a rest. Oh, so you bring it inside and then trim it down, and it'll go dormant. And oh, okay, I thought you were talking about bringing it inside and keeping it alive. And, I mean, and you can do that. That is an option. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I let mine go dormant. Okay. Yeah, I might have to try that, especially with the fish peppers, because I really liked the variety that I had this year. And I'm sure they're cross-pollinating enough where that's probably not a good idea just to save the seeds. So, Right. And it'll give you a jump start on your peppers next year. Mm-hmm. And I grow, I grow all these hot peppers, and um, they take forever to come from seed to plant. Right. So it's very much in my interest to overwinter the, the plants. Yeah, yeah jal- jalapenos, whatever, it grows pretty quickly unless you like your particular variety you have. But you still, after when you overwinter them like that, you still have them in soil, right? Yes. You just put them in fresh soil. Yes. And then, and then trim them up. Okay. Interesting. I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to put an article out on it here in the next week or two. Um, oh, that's over, good. Overwintering peppers and a couple other different uh, plants. Are you still writing on your Substack? I have been really slack on that. Um, I'm ashamed to say that, but I'm I'm getting back into it. After October is over with, I'll be doing a lot more writing, especially over the winter. Okay. I got a lot to catch up to do uh, from what I missed over the summer, and I got a lot I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I am, in the next week, going to put out like the overwintering things. Uh, just because that's information people need now, not in November. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. And then I have a whole bunch of uh, chestnuts and hazelnuts that I potted up and sold some on Craigslist and stuff like that. So there you go. So good. Well, let's talk a little bit about our topic for tonight. And it's what are your tips to keep positive in a, in a negative world or an increasingly nev- negative world. What about you, Shudra? Uh, that's easy. You just get go. You'll never be unhappy again. 
you'll be angry, you'll be frustrated, you'll be vengeful, but you'll never be unhappy again. <laughs> the best thing <laughs> you'll you can be, do. You'll be too busy chasing them around because they keep getting out. <laughs> and trying to out- outsmart them when they've um, discovered a way out of the pen again, yet again. <laughs> uh, Joseph, do you still have you still have goats? I do. That's an easy one. <laughs> I, I don't have that many anymore. I've about got rid of them all. Transitioning to all sheep. <laughs> oh, you're you're getting sheep now. Well, we've had sheep also. Um, we're just getting away from goats and more into sheep. Yeah, what kind of sheep? A katahdin. Mm-hmm. Are those the hair sheep? Instead yes. of the wool sheep, yes. Okay, I would, I wouldn't, I would feel so bad if I put wool on a sheep in South Mississippi. Hmm. Even though there, there is a native Gulf Coast breed that's making a comeback, and they are a wool breed. Um, there's a guy on Twitter I recently met. He's actually got a farm 35 minutes from mine. Um, he's raising those. I can't remember the breed name right off the top of my head, but he's raising those, trying to get them to uh, make a comeback. I may actually take on some of those as well. It's weird how you can have meat chickens and egg chickens, but um, it's not so common to have wool sheep and meat sheep. It's, it's, it's either both or nothing, it seems like. So, so these hair sheep, are they, they are, I assume, they're meat sheep, because you're, you're obviously not going to have anything to um, any wool to share. They're they're good for meat and milk. And, oh yeah. Uh, that's uh, meat is the main reason we raise them. I love I love eating sheep. Uh, I like goat also, but um, the hair is that they're a full hair breed, so they grow a winter coat. I have old fencing out the pasture in the middle of the pasture. When spring rolls around, they'll just rub up against that old fencing, and they pull all that hair off like a dog shedding hair. Hmm. And it oh, and for the more, or less, more or less like a goat, because ours are doing that at the moment as winter comes to an end. They're just rubbing on the yeah. fence, pull their winter coats off. Yeah, and and their hair is very, very similar to goat hair. Wow. As far as uh, texture, when you're rubbing them, when, when, what they feel like. Yeah. How how so they're, they're, ba- they're basically oh. a um, non-challenging goat. In a way, a non-challenging it, goat. <laughs> it, yes, and I love them for it. So, how old do you let them get before you harvest them for meat? Um, it it depends on what we're using them for. So okay. they can they can go at ten months to a year, or they can go at four or five years. It, it really just depends on what we're what we're doing with them. Obviously, if you want a tender lamb chop. You're going to harvest them around a year, maybe a little little younger. Oh, okay. Um, generally, I let mine go two to three years and at least get a breeding in. Mm-hmm. Um, rams, we tend to harvest young because we just don't need rams everywhere. But the does, we let them get one or two breedings in and see how well they breed and how well they mother. And if it's a really good doe, she's going to live out her life Um on the farm, we're not going to eat her at all. Hmm. So it's really, or, or if they have a trait that really we really want, obviously we're going to keep her around because we do breeding, selective breeding on them as well. You mm-hmm. know, we're trying to, I'm trying to create 
Katahdin are good for this climate I'm in anyway. I want some that's a little bit better than the standard. So that's what I'm trying to create. Great. So what about you, Joseph? What is, what are your tips to stay positive in a negative world? Um. Well, you know me, Scott. I'm a very religious person. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a lot of time in prayer. I spend a lot of time in meditation. Uh, sometimes it's in the pasture, sometimes it's in the garden, sometimes it's in my bedroom. But um, a lot of faith that God's a lot wiser than I am, and he knows what he's doing. And I try to keep my eye on that and my head down and work hard. and just try not to let it get to me. Try not to let it really enter my mind much. Mm-hmm. Now that's good. The Jesus prayer is a wonderful help. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, what I do is that as well as lately I've been getting a lot of benefit out of turning off or staying off of social media <laughs> on Wednesdays and Fridays. So that's been uh, refreshing. So I still got on Telegram because I don't consider Telegram to be social media, but um, I stay off of uh, Twitter mainly, and that seems to help a lot. As well as perspective, you know, I've seen, it, it's like I was telling somebody they were really surprised because I wasn't upset about something at work. And I'm like, I've seen lots worse than this. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, and I've seen stuff you can't even begin to imagine, you know like working seven days a week and then the project gets canceled or something like that. So. Yeah, I've been on, uh, I've actually been on social media a lot less, not even, not even intentionally. Mm -hmm. I just haven't gone as much. And if you go to my Twitter, a lot of what I've been posting lately has been uh, memes and jokes and just kind of funny, lighthearted stuff. Sure. Yeah, I thought you were you were threatening to leave Twitter in a month or something like that, not too long ago. Yeah, I'm still leaving. Um, <laughs> I have what I'm doing is I'm turning my private profile into my business account. Sure. And I'm starting my private account over and over again. Mm-hmm. And uh, just cause I have almost seven thousand followers on my private account now. If I turn that to my business account, I got 7,000 potential customers. So. Yeah, that's good. So what's the big plans for the next season? Shudra, you've got growing season coming up. So what's your big plans besides the um, cement wall? Uh, yes, in between the wall, um, we're coming into irrigation season again. Um, hmm. What I'm trying to do year after year is uh, develop the mulch and the canopy to the point where one day I've, there won't be an irrigation season to me. That's, that's like the holy grail for me is to not have an irrigation season. That's, that's brutal hard work, hooking up the, um, the, ta- the tank trailer to the um, truck each day, carting my water, doing the watering. Then I have to unhook it and drive to work. And then the next day I come back, come home, and I've got to hook it all up and do it all again. So for me, it's critical to um to get this place to where there is no such thing as irrigation season for me it's just working like a, a normal a normal ecosystem so it's get the mulch down get the canopy try and get as 
much ground cover as I can and just, um, develop that sponge that's in the uh, top layer of the uh, soil, which, yeah, which is still gravel but for the most part at the moment, but I'm slowly turning that into a water sponge. Yeah, that's great. What about you, Joseph? Uh, well, right now I'm going into my winter grow seasons, so I have... Uh, I actually have quite a bit sprouted already. Uh, carrots, beets, radishes, rutabaga, <clears throat> cabbage, cauliflower. I'm kind of kind of looking around the garden. Cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. I have a bunch of sweet peas growing. And then uh, this weekend, actually, I'm planting a ton of kale and spinach and some lettuce, cabbage that will grow into the November, December. And uh, those will all be for market. Um, I'll be the, in the wintertime, I'm the sole vegetable provider at the markets. Mm -hmm. Everybody else shuts down after the fall season. You know, once, once sweet potato harvest is sold, which they're harvesting sweet potatoes now in Mississippi, once all those are gone, most of the, the vegetable sellers, whether it's farmers or peddlers, they shut down for the season. And But the farmer's market still keeps going? Yes, we do keep going because we have... Uh, we run it over the winter because we have the bakery. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've developed quite a customer base for that. They come week after week for their bread. So I'm out there every week for them. And then um, we're going we're going to try to take care of their winter crop needs. I don't know. I know collards are big around. Collards, I'm glad I said that. i got to plant those too. Um Collards are big around here. Kale is growing, so I'm not I'm planting a huge crop. Spinach is big. So I'm trying to... You would be surprised how many people here in South Mississippi are surprised that you can grow stuff in the wintertime. Like they, they live here and they don't realize they can grow a garden here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these, these lovely, lovely cold weather vegetables, you know, a lot of people don't like kale because kale is bitter. But mm -hmm. if you ever had kale that was harvested in December or January, it's sweet. I've heard that. So, that cold weather, the, the plant produces sugars to protect itself from the cold, and it makes mm -hmm. the plant sweet. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to educate my community around me that, hey, this is, a, this is a better crop than you think it is if it's harvested at the right time of year. Sure. That's great. Yeah, for for me, I have three weeks until the normal, the first frost date, and uh, but it's been more a lot warmer than usual this whole week. It's in the mid nineties, and so we'll see. I've got kale and lettuce, the cut and come again, black seeded Simpson lettuce in the ground. Um, that'll last probably through a couple mild frosts, and then. Uh, and then I'll haul in a whole bunch of compost and and wood chips to overwinter. I have real, really heavy clay, so I have to add a lot of uh, organic matter to it. Yes, and a lot of wood chips. So that's uh, that's my plan. I I got tired of mowing, so I just started uh, putting in more gardens. I'm trying to put a strip of. Uh, um, hazelnuts and gardens up and down the driveway. I've got a like a quarter mile driveway, and that way I don't have to mow it or worry about it over there. And then, because uh, otherwise it's it's starting to get brambles and poison ivy. So 
I don't want that. So yeah, when you start, when you start getting hazelnuts in, I'm buying from you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have four hazelnuts back in the back forty, but they haven't produced any nuts yet, and they've been there a long time. So I don't know. Maybe I need to get some other varieties to cross pollinate them. I don't think hazelnut grows where I'm at. I think it's too too warm here. Yeah, probably so. I, tr I tried growing hazelnut once and it, they, as soon as sun must comes on, they just die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they don't like the warm weather. Yeah, I might have the same problem here. I've killed a lot of hazelnuts. I've got four of them. They're growing pretty well. I planted a whole lot and they're just not looking that great. Pecan is the nut king where I'm at. Oh yeah, they have pecan tree. Pecan trees everywhere. Yeah, I took. Uh, I got some pecans from the Kansas, uh, you know, cons conservation or whatever, and you know the nuts, and then I put them in buckets of sand and sprouted them out, and then um, moved them into you know, uh, transplanted them, and those things have just flown. I've I've sold almost all of them locally. Awesome. So we, next year, uh, we're going to scale. Go we ahead. have a, um, last summer, I taught an online class on um, creative foraging. Mm. And um, I use this as an example. So in about three weeks, three, four weeks when the pecans are falling, maybe 12 minutes from my house is the county fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. And you have the county fairgrounds, you have the penitentiary food plot, uh, the prison grows its own food. Right. And then and then past that you have another um, mental health facility. But it's all public property. So, you know, obviously two of those is fenced off and, and protected, right? Sure. But there there's huge pecan trees everywhere. Mm. And you can just go out there and, and collect pecans to your heart's desire all that you want. Um, wow. Public property, the county doesn't care. Actually, the county encourages it because it messes up the mowers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so creative forging. You know, look, look around. I I stopped on the side of a road last two weeks ago. Knocked on a guy's door. I said, "You got some stuff down in the woods? I'd I'd like to take care to, to cut out." And he said, uh, "He said, well, what is it?" I said, "Well, you got elderberry plant. Hey, huge elderberry plants on, on the side of a creek." At the edge yep. of the woods. He goes, I don't even know what that is. And I pointed it out to him. He goes, yeah, it's just a weed. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, I went, I went and cut right. these huge 12-foot plants down and brought them home. So creative foraging. You know, there's yep. there's stuff to find you everywhere. Cut, you cut a, the 12-foot elderberry down until you're home? Yes. Did you root it? Yes. Good. I've got the elementary school. My uh, friend planted some chestnuts there years and years ago and thought he was going to be able to demonstrate to the kids chestnuts roasting by an open fire. And then uh, once they grew out and started bearing, the principal said, no way, too much of a liability. So nobody picks them up. I just go down there and get buckets of them. And I eat some, and then I sprout the rest out, and then I uh, sell and trade the the chestnuts. There you go. If so, any of y'all know anybody selling hickory nuts, um, let me know. 
hickory uh, nuts or hickory plant or tree nuts. yeah why do you need hickory nuts dude we got hickory nuts out the wazoo here to to eat them okay <laughs> well we have a driveway full of them <laughs> like absolutely will they, full will they still be there in december probably not uh I I'll, mean, be I go I'll, I'll be passing by your place in december grant yeah yeah we're going uh we're going to cherokee uh cherokee what north carolina okay all right that's great welcome grant Yes, I apologize. Sorry for being late. Um, we did not have class today. Instead, we were to, to meet at the local high school for an FFA competition where they were doing floral design as one of their things, the juniors and seniors. And um, afterwards, ended up going out to eat with to dinner with my teacher and his wife. Wow. So we just got back home. No worries. So what do you got going on? We were talking about your IBC empire over there. Shudra's uh, uh, article on Thriver News with uh, aquaponics made from IBC toads. Yes, I'm going to have to check that out. I have a video saved of a really good way someone used them for aquaponics. I'll probably throw it in the chat when we're done. Um, other than selling, I went to my first farmer's market last weekend. I sold mums and some and some jarred pickles, some sweet pickles. Um, I'm going back this weekend to sell more mums. <laughs> and then just kind of, this is still kind of hustling here and there, talking to people, getting that uh, kind of that skill of conversation, even more tuned. You know, I stopped, pe- I stopped a couple people inside Lowe's to sell them mums while they were looking at mums in Lowe's because my truck was still loaded from when I went. And, um, you're stealing Lowe's customers. That's I, I, funny. I was, yeah, I was like, if you want to, if y'all wanted to, you could just come out the back of my, it's like, it's probably a little off putting. Um, there was more people coming in, coming out to look at mom as I was leaving, but I had something I had to do. If I didn't, I would have stayed and, and probably started selling moms that looked better than Lowe's had out of the back it of my truck. Stayed until Lowe's kicked you out. Yeah, I feel like that probably would have been an issue. Uh, that's some. That's got to be some type of watering. I, I believe so. Um, buddy. Other than that, we heard back from the appraise the surveyor and appraiser for the land we're looking to get. It was appraised for eleven thousand five hundred an acre, mm-hmm. and which was about four thousand an acre more than what it respectively should have been um so we're kind of yeah so it can be finagled to work but we have to submit our 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 counter to the judge who's kind of overseeing everything and then it has to go to the advocate of um my of my uncles to kind of see how it's laid out um because they are disabled and Trying to right, get a fair right. share and all that, so that would that process takes forty five days. <laughs> so, at this point, it's I've kind of come to peace with it will happen when it happens if it happens. I cannot keep counting down the days for to think just to get a little bit piece of information to then count the days down again for another three months to then do the same thing again after those are those are up. All right. Um, it's zoned sure, ag, but, right? Uh, no, I think it's 
It, it could be a one, but I think it's com- I think it's just residential. That's why it's that's why it's eleven thousand an acre. Um, so. I could I could pull it up. Um, I have it pulled up. I can check, but I think about four petition four, to get it rezoned. Yeah, I think about four thousand of it, not four thousand. Um, four or five acres of it is considered flood zone. Mm-hmm. So like FEMA, FEMA specified um, flood risk. So. Sure. They're they're still valuing that at the same, um, the same price per acre, even though it's it's get the extreme potential to flood five acres of the property. Hey guys, hey guys, uh, I've enjoyed being here. I got to jump off here. I gotta I gotta finish up with my wife or something. Okay, take care. All right, man. Good evening. So yeah, I had uh, my property taxes just exploded this year, and I. Um, contested it and they came out and they go, what are you using the rest of this land for? And I said, well, it's for horses and gardens and stuff. And they said, well, that's ag. So we're going to reclassify this many of acres of your land as ag. And then it, my taxes actually went back to where they were and went lower than they were previously. So it was, it was a big win. So I don't see anywhere on here that it being marked as residential or commercial. I see it as um, homestead and then um, a conservation. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what it's classified as uh, right now. Good. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, it it is what it is. I just kind of got to figure out my my next route to go. There are things I'd like to do and get done and start achieving. Um, kind of, kind of relatively soon. Um, next semester should be hopefully my last semester in school. If not one more, it all depends on how heavy of a load I'm going to take. Okay. So the, so what's your spin on the topic? What's your tips for staying positive in a negative world. Okay. Um, I, I see this. I This kind of hit me a couple weeks ago, and it just kind of opened up in my mind. There's, I'm walking outside, looking at, looking at everything I've, I've done, specifically in my front yard, that I have, I have landscaped. I have slowly over the years, as I got into plants and horticulture, started kind of adding more to it. This year, I had some, I had a lot of annuals left over from the school sale earlier this year um, that I was, that I didn't sell all of. And they really came, they really bloomed out full. And then I had some other bulbs and stuff I've been given and, and removed from landscape jobs here and there. And at its peak, it it was incredible. I'll, I'll send a picture later. It mm-hmm. was it was great. And I just look at it and was like, this is it. If you can't look at it and appreciate what you have done or the beauty in something, um, because that right there, that gives you hope. You just have to, I think a lot of people look over and don't appreciate the life they have um, because it could be a lot worse. And in my opinion, it's going to get a lot worse. Um, but you just have to continue to look forward to build 
if you're if you're not moving forward, that that's kind of the hope. The hope comes from just keep moving forward, keep building, keep creating, keep learning, keep keep cultivating something for you and your family. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Good. What other tips? Oh, um, I, I think that's pretty much it. Just try try to be thankful and grateful for just anything and everything you can when you see it. Just take a step back and look like I'm grateful for this. And that that's that kind of improves your spirits as is. Um, Long term hope is really where it's at, uh, because in the end. That that's which where it's going to go is eventually all this will pass once it crashes down. And then I feel like that's when you're going to win. That's when you're going to, because you look at the current market of everything and what they're trying to push and roll out within the next seven years. I saw something like to think the U S U S money exchange, whatever, uh, has a seven-year projection of silver to be, I think, $1,500 an ounce Hmm. on the U.S. money exchange. And then gold to be like $12,000 an ounce. I thought that was very strange. (laughs) You know, this is something that has been used um, for a long time. And it recently got updated. And these very, very exaggerated numbers for something like gold and silver, which kind of aligns up with a seven to 10 year outlook, which is the outlook of the seven to 10 years of what they're trying to push upon us with the 15 minute cities, the rollout of digital currencies and everything like that. In that instance, I don't think we will win, but it's coming back and building from that. That kind of gives you hope. You have to have hope to continue to build something for yourself. You can't let that get to you because you can't change that. You can't fix that. Nobody can. You can only change what's in your community. Hmm. Good. I like that. So what new projects do you have coming up? I don't really know. I I think uh, my next biggest thing is to winterize all my beds. I've got to get mulch. I have a lot of sinkage this year from raised beds, from dirt, settling, wood breaking down. There's a lot of kind of empty holes in some of them on the edges where they kind of de-like shrunk up because I haven't been watering anything. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do is I found this huge pile of wood mulch. I reached out to this guy. Uh, like It's two years old sitting, huge pile of wood mulch that's two years old. I'm going to try to go get it, fill up all of my raised beds to the top, no matter how far they've shrunk. Or I'm just going to cram it full, pack it, and then I'm just going to leave it. Um, I'm not going to go with anything, any fall crop this year. I'm just going to mulch it, uh, water it in, and then leave it. Um, and then I'm going to continue to kind of shape what woods we have here to create more pasture, create more space. Um, and I may look into getting uh, a few more goats. There's a really nice opportunity to get some goats. Um, that are very good quality for relatively cheap um, that I've been really thinking about getting. Because if we are able to get this land, it's going to need so much animal input that, you know, 
it would be worth it to feed them through the winter. It'd be worth it to kind of just keep them on grain because there's not enough pasture to rotate, just kind of keeping them fed in that lot and flipping them back and forth between paddocks um, might be worth it. If not, I could always sell them. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Other than that, I think it's it. Uh, next spring, I'll be hopefully raising out 300 meat birds. I met a farmer at the farmer's market who invited me out to his place um, to uh, look at his meat operation. Um, so hopefully going to go do that. He said he started his first year with 1,500 birds last year, and this year he's ran 5,000. Wow. So there is most definitely a market for that in our area. Mm-hmm. So he just has uh, a bunch of uh, chicken tractors? Pretty much, yeah. And then he also does pasture pork. Mm-hmm. And uh, beef. That's good. Okay. So Shudra, give us your uh, give us our your usual solution to every emergency. Plant trees, cultivate gardens, ten livestock. You can't lose. You can't lose. That's it. That's that's, that's right. all. I, uh, that's all I got to say. Bye, guys. Thank you, guys. Take care. Have a good evening. Okay. Thanks. Good evening. Thanks to Shudra, Homestead Padre, and Grant Payne for joining me for this community call and for episode 100. You can hear more from Shudra on at the Shudra way on Twitter. For Homestead Padre, his website is smith-homestead.com where he has hot sauces. I really like the mango habanero hot sauce. And you can contact or interact with Grant Payne at Homestead of Payne on Instagram and TikTok. So check him out. If you want to join our Telegram community, it's at signup.thriveinthefuture.com. And coming up on Thrive in the Future, my friend Eric and I look back and reevaluate his side hustle at one year. Thank you for listening to Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, please click that like or subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Thrive in the Future and also go to thriveinthefuture.com.